Well, good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to be back with you guys. It's been a few weeks. Uh, I, I hope you guys uh, didn't miss me too much, but I'm, I'm, I missed you all. And so I, I'm glad to be back with you guys here today. Anybody excited about today? Anybody excited about what God wants to do in their lives? I'll tell you what, I believe, I believe that God is up to something. God wants to speak to some people here today in, in a profound way, and uh, we're also going to be doing our Measurably More offering at the end of the service for our, our future facility in Parkland, and uh, man, uh, you know, I, we're not going to show you any pictures because we want you to come out on May 9th and uh, kind of see what's up, but it's, it's changed a lot. I've, I've been gone for a week and a half, and it's like, dang, it's like a whole new place, so uh, I, I'm telling you what, May 9th, you're going to want to come out and, and hang out with us as we do a, a worship night out there in the facility without the city or really anybody knowing. So don't tell anybody, okay? So on the DL. <laughs> Anyways, we're glad that you're with us. And uh, today, um, I want to start off uh, a few months ago, actually uh, almost a year ago, I had some friends of mine, some other pastor friends of mine, they decided that uh, they wanted to do a guys trip and they invited me and they're like, hey, we want to do a guys trip and what we want to do is we want to go we want to go fly fishing in Montana, and uh, I don't know if, if you know me or not, but I'm not really an outdoorsy type of guy. <laughs> like, that's just not my, not my, see, my idea of, of, of a bad camping trip is like a bad hotel experience, you know? It's like, so it's like, oh, man, that, that bed was lumpy. That was terrible. That's camping right there. But, uh, and so these guys are like, man, we, we want you to go, go camping, and what you got to understand is that, that I grew up in the, the concrete jungle of America. I'm, a, I'm from Chicagoland area, and so... Yeah, yeah. White Sox. White Sox. Where's my one White Sox fan? My White Sox fans over here. The, anyways, uh, big, big. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know, like I, I'm kind of urban. I grew up on 90s hip hop. Tupac, Biggie. Those are my boys. I mean, I, you know, like hunting is not really my deal out in the wild. Now, I can hunt. But I hunt in the shopping malls of America is where I hunt. I mean, I can, I can find me some outfits. And so, like, you know, it just being outdoorsy isn't really my thing. And so these guys were manipulating me, and, and they're like, man, you got to come. And so uh, I made the trip out to Billings, Montana. Uh, it's about a seven-hour flight out there. When I got there, uh, we jumped in a vehicle, and we drove to, to the, the stream. Uh, where we're going to uh, do this fly fishing stuff, and we get there, and there's some guides there, and, uh, you know, they're explaining to us how to fly fish, what, what the etiquette is, and all that kind of stuff, and, and one of the guys, the gods looks at me, who apparently I'm going to be in his boat, looks at me, and he goes, is that what you're wearing? And I was wearing something probably similar to what I'm wearing right now. I thought it was very appropriate for fly fishing. I don't, I don't know. I don't fish. I'm, I'm like, I shop. And, and I don't buy clothes, I buy outfits, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like, ladies. Uh, anyways, and, and so like, I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm wearing. And then I look at him and I go, is that what you're wearing? You know, it's like, he's wearing camo. Of course, it's what he's wearing. And so he goes, and, 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 and so we, we go on this adventure uh, of fly fishing. And, uh, and, and so it was interesting because we, we get out there uh, and... Really, I, I'm just like, I, I don't really know what, what to do because they're like, hey, listen, you got some options. And so if you've never been fly fishing, 
the, the, what you do is you, you get in a boat and you do a float is what they call it. And they say you have two options. And you, you can do the long float or you can do the short float. And so I'm like, well, what's the long float? And they said, that, well, that's, that's eight hours floating down the river. And I'm like, good God, I've got a life. What's the short float? Because we're definitely not doing that. And he goes, the short float is four hours. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's about three hours and 45 minutes too long. And so, but uh, like that was the option I chose. And so I'm like, I, I got two options. I'm going to go with the lesser. And, and so we get out on this boat, and it takes about 15 or 20 minutes to get, get pushed out and get to the, the place where you can start fly fishing. Unfortunately, I have ADD, if you haven't noticed at all. And so by this point in time, like, I'm bored out of my mind. I've lost interest. My, I'm channeling my inner six-year-old, you know, where I'm expressing myself with my body language. You all know what I'm talking about. You know exactly how a six-year-old feels. They're like, ah. Oh. They don't even have to say anything. And you're like, I know it'd be awesome if we could do that as adults. Hey, how's your marriage? <laughs> Life would be so much easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> and, and so like we're going and, and like I, I've just lost complete interest in this. And, and, and so but then I have this thought and, 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 and it comes to my mind and, and I said, to myself, I've got an opportunity that I'm never going to have any other time probably in my life. And that opportunity is that I have the opportunity to bring home a kill to my wife. Like I can go and get a, and kill a fish and bring home some nourishment to my family and probably be the manliest thing that I will ever do in my life. And so, and so as I'm, I'm casting, I, I turn to my God and I say, sir, um, you know, it, when, when I catch one of these trout, do you think that we could cook it up tonight and eat some? And then I could, we could also package some up so I could take it home to my wife. And he looks at me with utter disgust. And this like anger and resentment. And I'm like, sir, did I offend you with that question? And he goes, son, this is a catch and release river. Exactly. Catch and release? Problem with America, right there. That's... I mean, I mean, just, just think about this logically. Okay, you're, you're a fish, okay? You're, maybe it's a mom fish and a dad fish, and they got a little boy fish and a little girl fish. I think it's called a school. And so they're just swimming along, and dad's kind of talking to mom, and all of a sudden, boom, mom is gone. And mom is gone because I have hooked mom, and I pulled her out of the water, and I take a picture with her, and I go, oh, it's nice to see you. And I put her back in the water, and all of a sudden, she randomly appears back to the family, but she's got a hole in her face. I've maimed mom. Have the decency to fry her up and eat her at least. You know what I'm saying? What is the deal with us in America? Golly, I mean, just I mean, it's like going to the store and finding the perfect pair of jeans, ladies. You know what I'm talking about? And you buy them and you put them in your hands. You're like, these are perfect. Here, let me give them back to you now. Who does that? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody does that. Anyways, and, and I, I diverge. And and so we're we're fishing and 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 like. I, again, I lose interest, and I'm just kind of like looking at nature. And here's the terrible thing. We're in Montana, so our phones don't even work. It's like you can, can't, like I can't even surf the web or look at your pictures of the life that I envy right now <laughs> while I'm sitting on this river. And, and, uh, 
and finally our God goes, hey, we've got 30 minutes left. And I'm thinking, good God, that, thank goodness this, this time is flying now. And, but then I have another thought. And that thought is, is that all of my friends are on these other boats around us, and none of them have caught anything. Which means that if I catch something in the next 30 minutes, I will in essence be the winner. And that is a noble cause. And so I, I look at my God and I say, God, I, I would like to cast again. And he starts preparing for that. That's a, that's a technical term for those of you that are getting a little off casting. And so we go and I start talking smack to my friends in Jesus' name. You know, because that's what Jesus do, would do. He would, he'd be like, I'm going to kill y'all. I'm going to have the biggest fish here because you haven't caught anything in Jesus' name. And so, like, I found out that's not good etiquette on the river. You don't yell. But I did. And uh and so I get, I get my, my, my line and my casting ready, and I, and I go back, and, and like my, my God actually said, like, I have a natural, I have a natural casting motion, and, and I told him, it's not me, it's all him, it's all him, it's not me. And, uh, and so I, I'm getting ready to, to, to cast, and I'm getting ready to throw this fly, and, and he goes, stop! And I'm like, just right there in that athletic position, you know, and, and he's like, come here. And so I feel like I'm a third grader getting yelled at by the principal. And I'm like, yes. He's like, you're about to catch something. And I was hooked to my butt right here. And so <laughs> biggest catch of the day. All right. See you all later. And so, <laughs> I actually, I, I caught one fish. And I, I, I learned that you can take a picture if you hold it out like this and you're far away. It makes it look really, really big. It's awesome. <laughs> I like sent it to Shayla. I said, look at what I did. She's like, why are you holding that all funny? I was like, stop it, Pay, stop it. <laughs> Call me out. What's up with that? Just let me be a man for once, okay? <laughs> Sorry, it's been a while since I've been here, so I'm a little, I got a little bit of energy. Uh, <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Somebody does. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing that I learned is that that experience has a lot of analogies to life. You know, when we, we start off in life, we get a promise from God. We get some word from God, and it seems really exciting. There's a lot of inspiration on the front end of it, and there's, there's a lot of excitement on the back end of it when it's being concluded or fulfilled. But in the middle where the float is, a lot of times we lose hope, we lose interest, we lose faith in the middle of the process. We lose the, the, the wherewithal to continue to believe and trust God for incredible things in our lives. In fact, some of you, some of you know exactly what it's like, it's like when it comes to your faith. You, you got a word from God. You, you heard God speak. Maybe you read the old book, The Prayer of Jabez, and you're like, God, enlarge my territory. Expand my horizons. And you're, you're believing God for some great things. And you're going, God, I can't wait to see how you're going to expand my life and how you're going to do all these things. But time has gone on, and you've seen God have nothing to do with your life. And you're like, God, I will just settle for anything you do. And we get to this point where we just kind of settle for something rather than the promise that God gave us on the front end. Maybe you're, you're a single lady out there. All the single ladies, all the single ladies, you know, some Beyonce, uh, sorry. Uh, maybe you're a single lady out there and you, you've, you've got a promise from God that God is going to bring you the man of your dreams. Man, he is, he is fit and faith-fueled, six foot two, full of faith, passion, 
for Jesus Christ loves long walks on the beach and is a great French kisser in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? And you're believing God for that man. And you're like, God, bring him. Bring him to me in Jesus' name. And you're trusting him. But time has gone on. One year has passed. Two years have passed. Three years have passed. You're like, God, send me a man. <laughs> Breathing. Hopefully. It's true. Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. You're sitting next to them right now. Oh. Don't look. Don't look. Maybe you're out there and you're like, man, I'm going to start a business. It's going to be incredible. Well, I've got a cutting-edge idea. I'm going to earn all kinds of money. I'm going to have all kinds of freedom. I'm going to be able to do all of these things in life. It's going to take off and it's going to build. And now you're here today and you're like, God, just give me a job with some benefits so I can pay rent this month. I mean, you're a parent. You're like, man, I'm going to be the most fantastic parent ever. I'm going to have all this time with my children, and, and I'm going to read to them every night. And now your prayer today is, is God, help me not to kill them today. <laughs> Few many, too many people agreeing with that prayer right there. <laughs> We're going to have some counseling in the back. Some of our elders got some issues. You're in the right church, I'll just tell you, because i got issues too. It's a... <laughs> But here's the deal. Maybe you're here today and you have lowered your expectations of God. And here's what I want you to know today. Here's the big idea. You have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. You have no idea what God wants to produce through a single seed that you have right now within you that you plant in faith and trust God and so today I want to talk to you about uh, a couple from the Old Testament named Abraham and Sarah. They are also known as Abram and Sarah. That was their names before God changed their names. And they had a dream. They had a vision. They had a promise. They were believing God for children. They wanted children in their life. I, I know what that's like as well. And, and, and when you're in that position, you're longing for something and you have, you have a belief for something, it seems like everybody else is getting what you want, doesn't it? It's like when you want a certain vehicle and as soon as you finally get that vehicle, you're like, man, I'm the only one that has it. And then you realize everybody else is driving it as well. And so they're like, man, I just, we just want kids, and all their friends are, are having kids. All their kids, all their friends are in Lamaze classes. They're decorating rooms and preparing for children. And they're like, God, where, where are our children? And finally, God shows up in a divine moment in Genesis chapter 12 and speaks to them. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, and encouraging them to take a massive step of faith. It says, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. God says, man, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Another place it says, I will make you into a father of many nations. And Abram and Sarah, they're like, that's it, that's it. That's the promise from God that we've been longing for and waiting for. God, if God said it, he'll do it. We're going to trust it. We're going to start walking it out. And so what do they do? They do the same thing that you and I do when we hear from God. They start planning their life on it based on that moment. And so they go home and they start picking out baby names. They're like, if it's a boy, we're going to name him this. 
this. If it's a girl, we're going to name her that. They go to their tent. They're like, we need to redecorate this because this is not going to do for our child. And so we're going to have a Star Wars-themed tent room over here for a boy, and we're going to have a princess-themed room over here for our little girl. And Sarah's like, man, I'm so excited. She goes and she reads what to expect when you're expecting, just devours that sucker. And then she's like, hey, Ruth, we got to figure out our, our, our Instagram reveal. Let's start revealing. Let's figure out how we're going to tell everybody the great news. And a month goes by, and they're not pregnant. And they're like, oh, man, you know, God must have just been giving us some time to really up our game. So when we tell everybody, they're going to be so excited. It's going to happen next month. I know it didn't happen this month, but God said, so he's going to do. And so month two comes along, and they're like, is this the month? It's not the month. But God said, then month three comes, then month four comes, then month five comes, then month six comes. Genesis 12, God made a promise. Then we pick up in Genesis chapter 15, and it says, sometime later. So God makes his promise in Genesis chapter 12, and then it says sometime later, and you go to yourself, like, how long is sometime later? Is that like a week, a month, a year? The Bible actually says that scholars believe, and through history, it was a minimum of 10 years. Some scholars believe it was a lot longer than that. So God gives a promise in Genesis chapter 12, and then 10 years later, he goes, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son? In essence, he says, God, what, what good is all this stuff that you're giving me if I don't have an heir for it? God, you have yet to give me a son. If I die today, I have nobody to give all this incredible stuff it says sometime later, at least a decade had passed, 120 months of disappointment and unmet expectations. And Abraham's going, God, why aren't you doing what I thought you were going to do? And some of you here today, that's not your story, but you have a story that's very similar. God, I thought you were going to do something, but you have not done what I thought you were going to do. God, I've got a goal. I believe it's a God-given goal. God, I want to be out of debt by the end of summer. And so you start off the year, and you're going, and you're going, and you get to the end of summer, and you have more debt than when you started with, and you're like, God, where are you? God, I thought you were going to show up here and do something in my life. Some of you have been, God, I know you're going to hear my prayer. You're going to save my dad. My dad's going to get saved, and a year has gone by, and your dad is meaner today than he was a year ago. You're like, God, where are you? God, what's up? Others of you are like, God, I know by this December that you are going to bring my future spouse into my life. I might not be married to them, but we're going to be in relationship, and it's going to be incredible. And December has come, and somebody of the opposite sex that you're not even remotely attracted to has not even come by your radar. You're like, God, what's up? Heartbeat, anything. Are you even there? 
See, I think a lot of times from our point of view and definitely from Abraham's point of view, there was nothing happening. There's a promise, and there was a lot of time, but there was no evidence of that promise on the horizon or even God working in that time. And instead of having this mentality that I'm going to be a father of many nations, what does Abraham start doing? He starts settling, God, give me a son. Just, just, just one. Just something. And I want to remind you that you have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. And this is a message today for people that have taken their expectations of God and they've just slowly lowered them. Because when it comes to faith and when it comes to life and when it comes to God's blessings, we tend, if you're taking notes today, we tend to think addition. We think to ourselves, God, just add to my life. See, we have, a, we have an addition mentality when it comes to our relationship with God. God, just add to my life. Well, well, see, we think addition, but God thinks multiplication. See, God doesn't think about just adding to your life. He thinks about multiplying into your life. Go back to Genesis, the very beginning. What did God say for Adam and Eve to do? Go be fruitful and he didn't say add. He said multiply. Why? Because God is not the God of addition. He's the God of multiplication. Then Jesus in the New Testament, he says if there's a, 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 a farmer out there and he is sowing a seed, that seed will produce a 30-fold, a 60-fold, a 100-fold return. How can one seed do that? Why? Because God is not a God of addition. God is a God of multiplication. And Listen, you have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. See, Abraham and Sarah, they wanted a son in a decade had passed, and they hadn't seen anything. And some of you, you feel the exact same way. You've been believing God. You've been trusting God for a miracle. You've been trusting God for a breakthrough, to break that addiction, to go forward in life. And you see nothing happen up to this point. Visually, you see no evidence of God working in your life. And you're going, God, where are you? What are you doing? I don't see movement. And I want to tell you today that just because you don't see anything doesn't mean that God isn't working in your life. Just because you can't visually see anything doesn't mean that God is not working in your life. See, we don't see God working. We don't understand that God's working because a seed has got to go into the ground to produce a harvest, which means it's got to be buried. And when it's buried, there's nothing happening on surface. What God is doing is he's bringing the sun in that season. He's bringing the rain in that season. He's bringing the nutrients in that season. And then when you're still not seeing anything, what God is doing is before he can raise up some fruit from that seed, he's got to put down some roots. See, and a lot of us, we're going, God, give me fruit. And God's like, no, this is a season where I'm going to put down roots so when fruit comes, you can sustain it. And so when you don't see the fruit, you've got to know that God is taking some root right there. See, a lot of us, we're like Abraham. And Abraham's problem is, is that Abraham had a limited perspective. Because where was Abraham the entire time this conversation is going on? He was hanging out in his tent. 
He's just in his tent, hanging out, telling God what he didn't say. God, I don't see anything, God. God, I don't see you working. All I see is the blue inside this tent. You told me, nations, I'm just looking for a kid, dude. Any of you relate? God, I'm not married yet. God, the biological clock is ticking. Tick tock, tick tock. I'm at work, no prospects here. God, I'm buried in debt. I got this job that's going nowhere. I don't see how I'm ever going to get out of this. God, the report came back. It's not good. Hello, don't know if you're paying attention or not. Did you hear me? It's not good. I don't see you. You're not doing what I wanted. Here's what I hope you'll remember. (laughs) If God met all of your expectations... He would never have the chance to exceed them. Abraham's in the tent telling God what he does not see. See, the reality is, is Abraham is locked into his circumstances. And here's the amazing grace of God is that God takes us in the middle of our circumstances. He meets us there in our limited context and he moves us outside of it. In verse 5 it says, the Lord took Abram outside. I'd love to know what that looked like. I think it was probably like, Abram, get your butt out here right now in Jesus' name, even though you don't know who Jesus is yet. And honestly, that's what I feel called to do as your pastor. I feel called to get you outside of your limited context, your limited perspective, your unmet expectations, so you can see something differently than your current perspective. Because all you know is what's boxed in here, and God's going, I've got something out here. But a lot of us, here's what we do. We go right back in. I think that in this point, God maybe communicated something from his word to Abraham. Probably something like, my thoughts are not like your thoughts, Abraham. And my ways are not like your ways. And he takes him out of the tent. And he says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, higher than your thoughts. It says, the Lord took Abraham outside the tent and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. God, you haven't even given me a son. God takes him outside. He says, look up and just start counting.
There's so many that I think that Abraham was just blown away. That Abraham is moved in that moment. Abraham probably worships God in that moment, going, God, you're so much grander, you're so much bigger, you're so much stronger. God, I was thinking a son, and you were thinking nations. God, I was thinking addition, and you were thinking multiplication. See, for those of you who belong to Christ, who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, what you need to understand is that you're the fulfillment of that promise because you're one of those stars. You're a seed of Abraham. I'll even prove it to you. I'll prove it to you two ways. First through a verse, second through a song. Verse. Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, if you have a relationship with God, if you've been set free by the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ, it says you are a seed of Abraham. It says you are a seed of that. You're a seed of it. You're, you have no idea what God may produce through a single seed planted in faith. I also said there's a song. Maybe you're old school. Maybe you're like me. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Turn around, sit down. Do you all come, come on, y'all. <laughs> Worship team auditions tonight. What's up? <laughs> praise the Lord, I can't make that team. So, <laughs> See, I hope you all understand this. Abraham was thinking a son. And God was thinking about you. Listen, you never measure God's unlimited power by your limited expectations. Let me say that again because some of y'all need to hear that. You never measure God's unlimited power by your limited expectations because one seed, one invitation to somebody to find a life in Jesus can transform not just an individual, but generations to come. One prayer prayed can change an entire family, an entire lineage of people. One seed given in generosity can cause an explosion of spiritual growth in people's lives. And you never have any idea what you're doing when you're planting that seed. You have no idea the potential that is within it, what God can produce through a single seed planted in faith for him. And maybe you're here today and you have lowered your expectations of God and you don't know exactly what you want God to do or how he's going to do it, but you need to know that God is still working to cause all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The Bible tells us don't grow weary in doing good because in due season you will reap a harvest. How do you reap a harvest? You plant a seed. Jesus said unless a seed dies and is planted in the ground there is no fruit. And some of you are wondering why, why is there not a, a harvest in my life? Because you have not been planting anything in faith. 
You're like, God, bring things. And God's like, I can't bring something out of nothing. That's not how it works. There's seed time and harvest. It's a principle. And some of us, we need to start planting seeds of faith again and trusting God. And you're going, well, TJ, but you don't understand. I don't have a lot of faith. I don't have a lot. And Jesus said, listen, it doesn't take a lot. If you have faith the size of a, a mustard seed, it's not a lot. You can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast in the seed, and it will happen. See, some of us today, somebody needs to hear this because we have a God that is still at work. Our God is still with you. Our God is the God of immeasurably more who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or imagine. He is the God who still forgives. He is the God who still sets people free. He's still the God who wants to do transformative things in your life because he is the God of breakthroughs and he is the God of miracles. And you have no idea, no idea what a single seed planted in faith can produce. And maybe you're here and you've lowered your, your expectations of God. Maybe you've brought them way down. And then you need to know that God's word is alive and his presence is with us today and his promises are still true. We do serve a God of immeasurably more in life. A God not of addition, but a God of multiplication. That's why we we named this building project Immeasurably More because we have a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask, think, or imagine. That's a big God. Who's at work within us? He's working within us. It's his power that's working in us to bring him glory for his church and for all generations. See, what you need to understand is God doesn't want to just produce something for you. He wants to produce something for others. Everything that he's doing in your life is not so that you can consume that seed. It's so that you can use that seed to make a difference in others' lives. In case you haven't figured it out, you're that seed. You have no idea what God can do through your life and what he can produce in your life when you trust him with it. When you say, God, here it is, all of me, all that I have, all that I want, all that I desire, I allow those things to die, bury them in the ground. And even though I might not see what you're doing, I know that you're taking roots so that it can produce some fruit. And also on a practical matter, today's a day of opportunity for us to plant seed. It's for an opportunity for us to plant seed in the future generations that are going to come to know Jesus Christ through our church and through the building of a facility. And a lot of people think, well, all you're about is about building buildings. No, I'm about building people. And the facility is just a place where people can come in and we're building walls so we can tear people's down. So we can see God do a supernatural work so they can bury their old life and rise again into a new life that God has for each and every one of them. And the seed that we get to sow today is a financial thing. And I don't like talking about that. In fact, I don't even ever ask for money. What I always ask is you pray and you ask God. You ask God, God, how do you want me to be a part? What do you want me to do? And then you just be obedient to that. And here's the amazing thing. I said God is not the God of addition. He's the God of multiplication. We've been telling you for the last couple of weeks, I sat down with a business guy before I left. And he said, listen, I love what you're doing in your church. I don't attend your church, but I want to be a part of what God is doing there. And listen, I want to encourage generosity. 
in your church. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to match dollar for dollar, every dollar given up to $100,000 because God doesn't just add, he multiplies. So everything you give gets multiplied a hundredfold. Some of y'all, see, the people that get excited about that are the ones that are like, yes, I'm going to get double seed in the ground because they know what's up. They understand seed time and harvest. The ones that are like giving the golf clap, they're like, I, I didn't pray. But you can react. And I believe that there's moments where you pray and you trust God, and there's also moments where you react to opportunity. I live by a saying, the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of that opportunity. You have the opportunity of a lifetime to double your impact for generations to come. Because here's the thing that's going to outlast us. Guaranteed. See, all of us are destined to die. You know what's going to outlast all of us? God's church. It's the thing that Jesus said, I'm coming to build. I'm coming to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we got the opportunity to do that today. And so I'm going to pray for us. And then at the end of that prayer, I'm going to ask you guys all to rise, and we're going to give our immeasurably more offerings. And you can give your regular offerings at the same time. And we're going to worship God at the same time because I believe that that worship and giving go synonymously. They go hand in hand. And it's our opportunity to do that. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray here? God, we love you so much. And my prayer today, God, is that you would speak to each and every one of us today, that you would inspire and you would encourage, you would build our faith, God. And you want to do more in us today than we ever could even think or imagine in ourselves. And here's what I know. Some of us in here today, we have received some promises. We've had some hope inspired in our lives, but the float of life has kind of sucked that hope out, and we've settled. And God, I know that you have not called any of us to settle in life, but you got, God, you want us to experience a life of greater things. And so maybe you're here today and you go, you know what, today is a day where I make a declaration that I'm not going to settle for what has been or what could be, but I'm going to stand firm on what God has said will be. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you need to make that declaration. And I want to stand with you. On the count of three, if you slip your hand up, one, two, three. Just go ahead and slip it up. Man, a lot of people slipping their hands up. God, thank you for the people that say, God, I'm not settling for less than I want more than in my life. God, I pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or imagine according to your power that is at work within them so that you can be glorified. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, we worship you here today with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you guys would all rise as the ushers get ready for this time of giving, we're going to sing and we're going to worship God together.